Welcome to The Entertainment Entrepreneur, the podcast for actors, writers, producers, and really anyone working in the entertainment industry with a passion for entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Monica Hammond, a serial entrepreneur in the entertainment industry. Join me as I sit down with Broadway stars, Hollywood favorites, and industry changemakers to chat about their own journeys launching, running, pivoting, and scaling their businesses. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, my name's Anand Thoss, and I'm the founder and CEO of Broadway Boxed Up. Hey, how's it going today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really happy to chat with you today. I'm so happy that you're on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit. I know a little bit about your company, Broadway Boxed Up. We've worked together a little bit over the last year or two, but I don't know a whole lot. And my listeners might not know a whole lot about your background, either in the theater or the arts prior to starting your company. Absolutely. Um, Like many people, I got involved with theater in middle school and high school. I used to love acting and being involved with school musicals, and that sort of fostered my love for the arts. I went to a college in Charlottesville. I didn't study theater. I actually studied computer science and finance. Nothing theatrical at all in there, but I always knew I wanted to be involved with the business side of theater. And at uh, the University of Virginia, where I attended, I joined this program called Broadway Talks Back. And it's where we brought theater professionals from New York City down to Charlottesville to teach masterclasses and talk back to students and teach them about the theater world. And I really loved being involved with that program, coordinating guests and being involved in the business side of the world. And that's when I knew, like, I definitely want to be involved in theater, definitely want to be involved in the business side. And that's sort of how I got started in my theatrical journey post-college. I love that. I love that. So many people we talk to um, start out as trying to make it in the theater, like as an actor or a writer or something in the transition. So you're a a unique breed that has come to us through the world of business. (laughs) Um, Talk to me a little bit about Broadway Boxed Up. Where did this idea come from? I was living in Manhattan before the pandemic started going to shows all the time. I loved it. And I I grew up near Washington, D.C. And I never knew about the great theater scene in D.C. until I was in college. And I realized once the pandemic started, I moved back to Washington, D.C. I realized so many people probably were like me and don't realize how much great theater they can find outside of New York near their hometowns. And I realized accessibility to theater and theater knowledge is a big issue. And with all the social justice protests of summer 2020, I, I thought, what if I can increase access to theater knowledge while also elevating voices of diverse theater professionals and ship it out to people each month. So that's where the idea of Broadway Boxed Up was born. And we just started, we shipped out our first box October 2020, and we've just been growing and growing since then. Oh, I love that. Um, so, So your company was born out of the pandemic, right? Correct. Yes. Wow. So many people I know, obviously, especially in the arts, have struggled during the pandemic. And it sounds like you found a way to make lemons out of lemonade, which is fabulous. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, talk to me. I'm so curious. Um, I've I've never really thought too much about starting a subscription box company, but it is one of those things in the back of my mind. I already have three businesses. I don't know if I need another one <laughs> right now, but like I just think the idea is so fascinating, and obviously, it's a really interesting recurring um, revenue model. So, talk to me a little bit about yeah, like how how did you start this business? You know, you said we, which implies to me that you either have a team or maybe a partner. How did you really get started with this? What was like the first step that you did? Absolutely. So we 
meeting my family or a family business through and through my parents, my older brother, we all love being involved talking about theater. I'm the theater buff in the family. They don't know anything about it, but they love learning about it. I love teaching them. And we've been really able to bond about that. But first getting started was really figuring out what we were going to provide what service and what product. And, you know, growing up, I was that person in high school ordering spirit wear for the class. I was that person in college ordering merchandise for different departments. So I always had a knack for merchandise. And so I knew sort of where to go. I had those connections and I sort of built upon them to, can I create custom theater merchandise in some way? And so creating that merchandise was sort of the first step and then curating it into a box. Would people really want this? And how do I reach out to them? So a lot of it's marketing. And I learned very quickly, theater is this great niche to market to because there's so many theater fans and they're dying for more theater content. Talk to me a little bit more about the marketing side of things. Um, it sounds like your background isn't necessarily in marketing. It's in finance, right? Um, where, how, did you, how did you figure out how to market this, how to brand it? That's a great question. Started with Instagram. I love Instagram, uh, followed a few other theater-related pages on Instagram, kind of saw what they were doing. And I realized Instagram's really the place where a small business can form their community and meet other people doing similar things. And I realized there's a very strong small business community on Instagram. And it's where people are connecting with fans, connecting with potential customers and uh, adding legitimacy to their business. And so I realized Instagram is key for that legitimacy and creating that community. And then I realized Facebook is just as critical when it comes to social media uh, and learning how to do Facebook ads and just trying things. I remember I just put $5 on my first ad one day. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, let's go to theater fans. Let's figure out what works well. And it was A-B testing and trying out what works, what doesn't. And then people responded really well. And I realized, wow, people really are excited for things related to theater. So do you do all of your, just speaking of Facebook ads, I'm a bit of a marketing nerd here. <laughs> um, do you run all of your Facebook ads and every, like all the paid ads that you run in-house or do you have like an agency or someone else working with you? We're currently all in-house right now. It's been great so far. We've realized that theater is such a great niche to target. And there's so many people out there who are learning about this subscription concept. I think we had a real bonus in being the first subscription box in the theater world. So people didn't even know this type of thing existed. So they're very excited to try it out. And I think that's been a real benefit to us. And so Facebook ads, we've been doing in-house right now. And we've recently started moving towards email marketing too, which has been an exciting new venture to try out and explore how that works and build an email list. So that's been cool. Yeah. I'm uh, certainly all about email. I know like for me, capturing an email, getting someone's email address is like pretty much the number one thing. So have you found that in terms of building your email list, again, marketing nerd kicking in here, <laughs> um, have you mostly um, gotten people to like convert from your social following into email? Where do you think, where, do you, where are you finding these email subscribers? Great question. I'd say a good chunk of them are through partnerships. Oh, okay. And so doing joint giveaways or doing joint sweepstakes and things like that and sponsoring sort of different events and things like that. That's been a great way to find theater related fans who know they want to spend money on things and want to get involved in the theater world. So that's been one great way. Uh, another great way has been uh, former subscribers or former people who have purchased one-off products from our website. You know, okay, they've trusted us before. They purchased one product. We'll add them to our email list chain and say, hey, you purchased one product. Maybe you'll be interested in a subscription. Try doing mm -hmm. a three-month or six-month subscription. So sort of building upon that. 
Um, so we haven't focused too much on social media yet, but I think that's another avenue we have to consider because so many people are missing out on emails they can get from social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're just talking about sort of, I guess, sort of your pricing model in a way. Talk to me, are people able to purchase like a one-off box or a subscription through your company? Great question. And so our pricing model is we have monthly, three-month, six-month, and 12-month prepaid subscriptions. So okay. the only way to purchase one box is to purchase a monthly subscription and cancel after one month, which people okay. do do, and we're okay with that. The benefit of purchasing three, six, or 12 months is you get a discount for prepaying that amount. So it's beneficial to the customer to prepay if they can, and they make perfect gifts for people that comes every month. And that's sort of the excitement of it all. Uh, but we do sell individual boxes uh, sometimes to a special theme, and those are at a higher price point. For example, we just did a waitress-inspired box, I saw and that, that was a lot social. of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, it was it was great. It was came at a great timing when the revival run of Waitress sort of came back and no one expected. And we basically sold out when Waitress announced they were closing two weeks early because of the pandemic, which was sad. But it was a great way we were able to help fill a need for theater fans who wanted to engage with Waitress in some way. Yeah. Oh, I was so bummed. I'm so bummed I didn't get to see Waitress on Broadway. It was such a mistake. <laughs> Did you have a chance to see it? Yeah, it's one of my favorites, Aww. one of my all-time favorites. I've seen it six, seven times at least. Aw. Do you find out of the boxes that you curate that are like maybe show-specific, are they shows that you personally have loved or shows that you know would be a big hit? I first started with shows that I loved. Um, okay. I'll admit Waitress, 100% big Waitress fan here. <laughs> um, started with other shows that I knew a lot of. I realized I didn't know too much about Stephen Sondheim and his shows. But I, that was a big request to include his products or show uh, products revolving his shows in our box. And once I started doing that, those were some of our best selling products. Hmm. And so we've actually started releasing uh, individual products that you can purchase as add ons to subscriptions. And they're usually hmm. previous boxes products. So if you weren't a subscriber and you saw something a year ago, you're like, oh, I wish I had that. You actually sell those as an add-on that you can purchase to your subscription. And that's been a great way, not only from a business standpoint, to increase revenue, but really see what shows are popular. And people love Sondheim shows, companies, Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George. And I've been learning so much about that world because I didn't grow up with Sondheim musicals. So it's been amazing to learn more about that. That is so smart. So in terms of, I'm just personally curious about this, in terms of... um, like where you like store everything you said this is sort of like a family-owned business is this the kind of thing like you see on shark tank where you have like the boxes in your basement and you're fulfilling everything or do you have a, a little bit more of an in- infrastructure in place oh it's 100 <laughs> percent the scrappiest thing you've ever seen i use the excuse of no one's visiting our house so why don't i just pile all the boxes in the dining room and in front of the entrance foyer of our family home and half of our basement, just boxes, merchandise, boxes to be made, crinkle paper, everything you can imagine. I take up half the garage. I kick my brother's car out of the garage. It's been, you know, it's been great because it's a great excuse to be back home in the D.C. area. Um, and I can make trips up to New York fairly often. So it's been the best of both worlds. But no, I absolutely take over every space <laughs> in the house. <laughs> That's great. I know this this whole, like, basically the last half of 2021, I was prepping for um, the Union Square holiday market here in the city. I had my, my company, Broadway Murder Mysteries, had a booth there. And I had so much inventory and just stuff. Our whole basement was just full of stuff. So I get it. It took a little confusing, <laughs> but... <laughs> I finally just got rid of everything, sold it all off. So congratulations, I'm happy. that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Cool. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about how you curate the content for your sort of ongoing regular quote unquote monthly subscriptions. How do you decide and are there themes around each month? How do you decide what to put in there? That's a great question. Some months do have themes. In June, we do sort of a pride theme for pride month. And so all the musicals and plays will be related to pride in some way. In October, we kind of do spooky Halloween month. So you'll have more of our spooky Halloween themed musicals and plays. But otherwise, every month, the shows that can be featured are completely random. But the formula we try to follow is both for what the merchandise is and the shows is we try not to do too many shows back to back. So it's really easy to fall on a trap. Hamilton has so many great references to do Hamilton every single month. But I've realized, you know, people don't want just Hamilton every month. Some people aren't even a fan of the show. So it's kind of appealing to a large fan base of ranging from 13-year-olds to 60-year-olds from all over the country and all over the world. And so what we do is we try to have one or two what I call practical or usable items. So those are things like tumblers and towels and items they can use in their everyday life. And then it's two to three of those more souvenir items like keychains and magnets and things like that that are fun to own, but not necessarily something you're using. And then for shows, trying to do one or two shows that are more contemporary, ideally currently on Broadway or recently on Broadway, and then one or two shows that they may have never heard about. And either teaching them about it, them, or teaching them about, you know, a Sondheim show. You know, obviously our older subscribers grew up with Sondheim, but some of our younger subscribers may not have ever seen a show of his. So teaching them about Sondheim and doing a show like Sweeney Todd and saying, hey, do you know about Sweeney Todd? Hey, do you know about Sunday in the Park with George? And so it's been great to sort of educate with some of these more, maybe lesser well-known shows to newer theater fans. So you've been in business now at least one full year. <laughs> so you've gone through an entire you know season of seasons. Um, what have you found to be some of the bigger challenges in running a subscription box company? And how have you ever overcome those? Absolutely. I think the holiday time is great. You're always going to sell more than you could even imagine. You know, starting this business October 2020, I was not prepared for December 2020 at all. But I knew December 2021, I was coming and prepared, you know, whatever my expectations were, increase that by 50%, at least. Fabulous. Did you run out of inventory by any chance? We maxed out yeah. by the end of December. We maxed out. And it was perfect timing, too. It was like we predicted the perfect amount. But the tricky thing is, you know, we sell a lot of three, six, and 12-month subscriptions as gifts. And so we know, you know, three-month subscription starts in December, ends in February. We know we're probably going to have a big dip in subscribers in February and another big dip after six months and another big dip after 12 months. So now my main goal in January and February is to try to gain as many subscribers as I can to make up for that dip that I'm going to get at the end of February once those three month subscriptions expire. And so it's it's nice to know that, okay, I know I have three months to at least break even so I don't go down in subscribers, but it's tough knowing you know the good times don't last forever. Yeah. Um, my murder mystery business is also very seasonal. And now I, I started in March of 2020. So a little bit before yours, but not too much. And it, it is so interesting to see the sales cycle just be like, like you're riding the high. And then like the, at least for me, the summer is like, <laughs> but um, the holidays are certainly holidays are great. <laughs> Valentine's day, Halloween, and then hoping there are a lot of summer birthdays. That's what I always wish for. Cause birthdays are always, it makes a great gift. And that was kind of helps me recuperate those summer months. 
so talk to me a little bit. I know at the beginning we talked about how you went to school and you had like a, either a dual major or minor in finance. Did you have any experience or education in entrepreneurship or starting a business? That's a great question. I didn't take any entrepreneurship classes specifically, but I had the opportunity in, I actually started in high school. I interned for a startup incubator in Washington, D.C., and I continued to volunteer for them all through college. And so this was a space, it was um, called 1776 DC. And the idea was it's where revolutions begin. And so it helped companies, startups, it gave them a co-working space, it taught them in classes, it held startup competitions. It just was a space where different entrepreneurs came together to learn and grow their company. So kind of being exposed to that from when I was 16 made me knew in the back of my mind, oh, I really want to be involved in this world in some way. And I think the biggest lesson I took away from that, it's hard. You know, it's so much harder than you think it'll be. It'll take so much time. You know, I always joke, you know, people want to start their own business so they they don't work nine to five, but you'll be working 24 seven instead because you're always responding to emails. You're always thinking about the business. You know, there's no shower breaks. You're always thinking about in the shower. Um, So that's been the tough thing to learn, but it's been, it's been a good lesson to actually experience. Absolutely. Speaking of that, um, it sounds like you might be the type of person who just doesn't ever shut off, which is how I tend to be as well. But what do you do to try to balance this, you know, constant entrepreneurship, your business sort of running your life in a way with with your actual life? <laughs> That's a great question. It's been it's been harder uh, as the world has reopened, sort of as people have been vaccinated and people are going to be more social again. It's like, oh, all that time I had because everyone was indoors, weren't really hanging out, weren't going to the theater. Now I have to make time to see friends and I have to make time to go to the theater and things like that. And so that's been very difficult. I think one thing that I've learned is really delegating and trusting the people I work with. You know, it's very easy when you start your business to want to be involved in every single part of it and want to be there and want to be overseeing everything. But I've been learning a lot. One, I need to trust other people, let them do the work. You know, I've worked with my family now for over a year on this business. You know, I can trust them to pack boxes without me. I can trust them to make some decisions and let me know. And beyond that, it's also figuring out how you can relax that doesn't isn't related to the business. So I love theater. I love going to see shows. And that's kind of great because my phone's shut off. I can't do anything. I can't think about the business and I can just enjoy the show. So that's one escape I've had. But it's also knowing it's okay if I don't respond to emails right away. I can respond the next morning and that we're all human and that we're all busy and the emails can wait. I think that's been my other big lesson. I can watch a movie and enjoy time with my family. Yeah. Emails can wait. That is a very good lesson. <laughs> um, you're, you're talking about how you've started trusting your family to do some of the, maybe the more smaller tasks in your business. Um have you been able to outsource or delegate any specific roles in your business? Or do you still feel like you you run the whole thing? You run the show? <laughs> I'd say the biggest thing I've started to outsource is design work. And that's one thing I have a few people I've hired that I really trust and that I can support them in their small businesses of designing and get really great quality work. And that's something I've realized I don't have to do myself. And that's been really great to be able to delegate that away. And it gives me more time to focus on partnerships and communicating with people and hopefully bringing in other cool types of products and interviews and articles into the box, which is really exciting. How would you define success as an entrepreneur? That's a great question. Wow. I think success as an entrepreneur is really enjoying what you're doing. 
And I think about that, you know, I grew up watching Shark Tank and I used to think, you know, some of these businesses, oh, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could start a sponge business made of little smiley face cutouts or whatever. I wonder if I could do that. And I realized I wouldn't be really passionate about that if I did it. And one thing I realized and one thing reason I think that I'm successful in my business is because I really enjoy doing what I do. And, you know, every day is not great. There are some months I'm like, ugh, the subscription, I have to do the same things every month. I have to do it again next month. I have to do it again the month after that. You know, it's not all glorious, but I really enjoy doing what I do because I love designing. I love merchandising. I love theater. And so I think that's why it's successful because I'm having a good time doing it. What advice would you give artists or other um, sort of new entrepreneurs who are looking to start a business, maybe even a subscription box business? Great question. I can, I can think of two pieces of advice. The first is sort of general is you can't please everyone. You are always going to have a customer or client who's not happy. And, you know, though that one unhappy email or the one unhappy review somehow takes away all the other hundreds of people who love what you do. But you have to remember it's only one person and there are several people who do love what you do or are enjoying it and don't take every negative comment to heart and know you can't please everyone. And I think specifically for the subscription box business, I think one thing that's really important is think about how you can add more value to the customer. I think it's really easy to get in the cycle of, for example, for my business, we're going to add five products. We're going to include two postcards. We're going to include a Broadway program done next month. Come on, we'll do the same thing. And I think it's really important to think about how can you innovate? What's the next step? What kind of partnerships can you have? Can you add virtual events in some way? Can you add a Broadway murder mystery game in your box in some way? Can you yes, do you something? Can. <laughs> exactly. Can you do something new and cool and keep building and keep adding new things? And you, you'll find that many people are really open to conversations and partnerships. And it's, it's been really cool to explore that world. What are you working on now? Do you have any other any other businesses you're sort of forming or anything you're excited about for the future? Yeah, I'd, I'd say there are two big things. One is sort of the retail version of Broadway Boxed Up is we we started a pop-up shop with a few other vendors in the Columbus Circle Turnstile Mall in New York City and we're going to figure out how to extend that pop-up shop for something permanent and trying to figure out how can we sell more Broadway merchandise made by fans for fans in a permanent setting in New York. So that's been really exciting to have a retail presence on top of the virtual presence we currently have. And the other thing I'm really excited for is sort of getting involved with more theater productions. You know, this business started in the pandemic and it was something that I've really enjoyed doing while theater has been closed and it's kind of brought theater to people, but it's been really excited now that theater's open, how can I get involved? And I've, with theater, producing, investing. It's been really cool. I'm actually producing a new musical right now uh, called How to Repair a Mechanical Heart. And it's been really exciting. We're hopefully going to do a workshop soon. And, you know, our eyes are on getting a first class production running sometime soon, which is exciting. That's amazing. Thank you. The theater needs more people like you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Fans, investors, supporters. That's fabulous. Well, I'm a huge fan of everything that you're doing with Broadway Boxed Up. Um, if my listeners want to find out more about you and your company, where can they find you online? 
We are on all social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, at Broadway Boxed Up. And you can check us out on our website, www.broadwayboxedup.com. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you. And I am excited to hopefully work with you again in the future, maybe another partnership or something. But I, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening to this conversation. This podcast is produced by Mary Dina and supported by Abby Martin. If you'd like to hear more from entrepreneurs in the entertainment space, download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more entrepreneurs like you can find these conversations. And if you're in the entertainment industry, follow me all year long on Instagram and Facebook at Big Leap Brands. Until next time.